So, and by the way, welcome all of you that are listening and watching on X. So let me uh, get the big screen in here. Welcome Matthew Crawford. Now, don't confuse Matthew Crawford with Matthew Crawford with two T's. Because he's Matthew Crawford with one T. Now, I have to ask you, uh, Matthew, did you, like, change your name so you wouldn't be confused with the other Matthew Crawford? Uh, no. Uh, I was born with one T in my first name because Matthews is a family last name. But it's terrible because we have the same middle initial. We're both Matthew B. Crawford. <laughs> and, and, we, and we've both published a number of books, and I've gotten his email before. <laughs> um now, you have a .edu email address, so just give the folks out there watching and listening a little bio, if you would. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I've taken kind of a meandering path uh, in my adult life. I, I, I grew up um, studying a lot of math. I, I really enjoyed numbers as a kid, uh, won most of the national math competitions growing up, went to school in a um, Washington University uh, in St. Louis on a math and physics scholarship. Uh, much to the chagrin of my professors, that's not what I spent most of my time on once I got there. Um, I, I had a, an irritating experience at the Human Genome Project, and then um, I was uh, sort of quietly tapped on the shoulder one day and asked if I would uh, uh, write it basically for what's called a paper mill, which is where fake scientific papers are written. Um, and people pay very good money for that. Um, I wound up spending more of my time from that point on with the debate team, um, which is good because I met my wife there. Um, but I, I went to Wall Street. I actually dropped out of um, school uh, my junior year to go work at one of the big hedge funds. Worked at, at uh, a few hedge funds on Wall Street. Um, and after six years of that, uh, followed my passion and went into education and education technology. And uh, retired from that or sort of semi-retired from that. It, it, uh, I'll always, you know, it, it's always part of what I do. But, um, you know, late 2016, I closed the last school that I'd built. And, uh, you know, started uh, trading again, um, so, you know, because education does not build wealth uh, all that well. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, started trading again, did well. Um, and then, you know, the, the pandemic hit, which I call the plandemonium. Um, and I kind of knew that there were weird signs going on. But I, I really, um, you know, I, I wound up dropping everything uh, in late 2020 because I'd been doing you know, staying up late doing research going, what is going on here? You know, like uh, I, I'd been taking notes and wound up with thousands of pages of notes and and started organizing a book. And eventually I was like, no, I'll just release this for free on, on Substack. And people started to subscribe. And then uh, suddenly I've got, you know, tens of thousands of readers. And um, I've been doing a lot of the stats work, um, you know, uh, all through the pandemic. So, okay, so that's how you started this Substack. Why do you call it Rounding the Earth? That was actually a name that I came up with for uh, like an educational channel uh, several years ago. Um, I, I liked it because um, I wanted to, well, one, it's sort of like a counter to flat earth. Like that, that that's one piece. But really, I thought of it as like, you know, <laughs> encompassing everything. Right. Like, um, you know, I, I don't like to use the word holistic because so much of our language gets, you know, uh, pulled into funny directions. Right. But um you know, I, I wanted to think of exploring everything, exploring everywhere. Um, but also, uh, you know, there, there's also like a little bit of a gambler's thing to it, you know, rounding. Uh, I'm a bit of a poker player. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. It, you know, rounding uh, the, the edges that are still out there where we can explore things and, and figure new things out. 
It sounds to me like if you're a poker player, you'd have a distinct advantage. I wouldn't play cards with you. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 unless it was rummy or something, I had a chance at, at some strategy with. I, I do well, but I, I have never put in the time that the that the serious professionals have. Okay, so round in the Earth newsletter. So, no, are you telling me that the, the, the Earth is a sphere? Well, wait a minute now. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was a plate. It was a disc, and there's a dome over in the firmament. <laughs> you know, I, I don't really know anything, so, you know, it <laughs> seems like it's spinning to me. Okay. Now, the first time I encountered you was about a year ago. My friend, our mutual friend and reader, Bill uh, BKB, forwarded me something that you had written about the Plandemonium. And I had read you before about Plandemonium, because uh, I've had a substack for two years now, and I had linked to you. I've republished some of your substacks in the past. And I told the audience yesterday, I said, Matthew's one of these guys, he's kind of like us, uh, or maybe I'm like you. I didn't see, I, I never believed the, 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 the Corona doom. I call it the Corona hoax. You can, whatever you wish to call it, Corona doom. Our, our, our mutual acquaintance, uh, William Briggs, calls it the Corona doom. And Briggs is a statistician. He's a mathematician like you. Um, I never believed it from the get-go because I was going to websites like the Swiss Opposition Research Doctor and Off Dash Guardian. I'm going, wait a minute, these, the, the numbers don't tell the correct story. So that's how I first found Matthew Crawford on Substack, the Round in the Earth newsletter, is that you and I were kind of running in the same circles. Now, that's not what we're going to talk about today, but I just I saw one of your posts the other day about Steve Kirsch and about Alex Berenson. So uh, uh, now I didn't read the post. I didn't get a chance to read it. It looked to me like, uh, like you're not on the Kirsch or the Berenson bandwagon. <laughs> No, you know, I've got problems with both of them. Um, uh, and those, those are probably two different articles. Uh, I was uh, trying to, like, you know, those Alex Berenson was, uh, was making posts about the statistics online. And I'm like, you know, I'm the statistician who worked on the military health database and, and you've got the data wrong. You know, we, we can discuss this. And I tried to, I, you know, I tried to invite him onto uh, my own podcast and you know he he wouldn't even respond, right? And and he was making sort of weird, you know, evasive non-response uh, tweets after that. And I was kind of calling him out. But the, this other guy, uh, James Story Wiki, and he's a, a best-selling author. He's the guy who wrote the Wisdom of the Crowds. You know, he jumped in saying, you know, well, what about the red state, blue state thing? You know, and he's pointed at this like Ohio, Florida study. And I'm like, you know, uh, now I've got the data for all counties in the U.S. In fact, what I've got is better than what the CDC has. They've never actually put this together, oddly enough, right? Um, my wife and I uh, took um, all of the county-level mortality data, data, all the county-level vaccination data, all the county-level education, voting data, and all these things, and looked at all the correlations to see what actually drove the trends. And, um, and it turns out what drove all the trends is something called the healthy user bias. Right. You can you can literally just, um, you know, see what is mortality look like typically in a county. And it all just sort of rose, you know, like mostly in proportion and <clears throat> where it is that you have uh, healthier counties where people are more healthy. They are more likely to agree to and go get an intervention. And it's because there are all these things that are correlated health, wealth and education. And when you say it out loud, it's obvious. Right. Right. But, but unfortunately, because of, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to say the mind control effects of education, 
which um, that, that sounds weird because you think education, smarter people, but uh, they, you know, I think that uh, propaganda is, you know, much more highly focused uh, and especially that whole, like, you've got to continue through the system in order to get these carrots and rewards. I think that it's actually easier to brainwash more educated people up to a point. I think that that you can kind of go past that. But, um, you know, so I identified the healthy user bias. So, you know, I was trying to trying to bait these guys into actually, you know, coming coming on my program and like, look, I have hundreds of, of charts. Let's go. Let's look at them. And I'd like to, you know, and, and maybe, maybe you'll convince me. Right. Um, but. I, I think I think that the the data is pretty telling, and um, you know it's very and and my call out of Steve Kirsch is based on the fact that um, I did the work on the military health database, and neither side uses my work. Both sides use it, both sides go with stories that are at the very least incomplete, if not dishonest, and that's been very frustrating because you know I, I personally consider that you know uh, it, like at some level at some level there's treason going on. And uh, the fact that, um, yeah, I, I felt like uh, I was in a PSYOP. And in fact, there were um, uh, accounts like Twitter accounts uh, that were pushing out false data that even advertised themselves as POG accounts, which are propaganda operation warfare groups. And I'm just thinking, you know, this is all crazy, right? You know, why is it that the people who were supposed to be my allies won't push out the correct data? as I put it together and, and they stopped reposting, they stopped like retweeting any, like they, they really isolated me um, because I wouldn't go along with what, what, you know, even like Robert Malone kind of admitted to me was a game of psyops and counter psyops. And, and, and uh, this is fascinating here, folks. I'm Matthew Crawford of Rounding the Earth newsletter here on our Dude Maker Hotline here. If you're watching us on the X, you can come over to crusadechannel.com and catch this show any day of the week. So let me ask the question then, because the follow-up question, or I believe the proper follow-up question is, okay, so if you use the correct data, what does the correct data tell us about, for example, Steve Kirsch and Alex Bannerson's, uh, that the vaccine is causing mortality above where it should be. Does does the actual data bear that out? You know, the first the first thing that I noted back in March 2021 was in the international data, there was a positive correlation between vaccination and cases, also a positive correlation between vaccination and death, which is the opposite of what you should see. Okay. Right. I think the, the vaccines have zero efficacy. I think probably whatever antibodies or, or whatever the protein does, it probably doesn't hit where you need it to be, like maybe, you know, when you're breathing in something. Um, and I'm not even sure that we're talking about, you know, a viral infection in the traditional sense, right? These may be, um, you know, lab created clones. I'm not sure that we aren't, you know, looking at sort of a, a bioweapon psyop in a weird way, right? Or, or that, that most of the illness is really bacterial. Um, and that, that the PCR test will detect something like a viral clone that's been spread out or, or a virus that was already in the background but was just not being tested for previously. So there's all kinds of you know, weirdness going on. But, but I, I, you know, I've been calling zero efficacy hypothesis since March of 2021. In August of 2021, I did analysis on the European data and said, look, there's a dose response. Case fatality rate went up immediately during the first 21 days, and, and that's it, really the first 18 days, and, and, and that's making the denominator on an 18-day lag because you expect 18 days till mortality on average, 
right? That's the medium time, median time to death for a COVID case. And I said, you know, like this is a very clear dose response. You have a 30% bump and you, you only see it once during the entire pandemic. And I estimated the, um, you know, the, the mortality rate. And it turned out when the German PKK insurer um, came back with their own study of 400 something thousand Germans, they said, we estimate 31,000 deaths. And when you scale that, it hit right in the middle of the range that I said, you know, um, so, you know, there's been consistency in it, but, but weirdly, weirdly, nobody pushes it out. I think that, um, that I've been pushed out of the conversation, uh, maybe because I've been too honest about the data in some sense. I didn't go along with the uh, 1200% increase in, in injury and illness in the military because it just isn't true. Well, you see, now someone like me, I wouldn't, uh, uh, I want the real, I want the truth, I want the actual data. So, um, uh, I, and I have read your conclusions here. I just wanted the audience to hear that because, you know, <laughs> You, you say the name Steve, Steve Kirsten, everybody, uh, yeah, yeah, the guy, you're the warrior that fought. Well, you know, Steve Kirsten had something that you and I also don't have. He's got a couple of million dollars laying around to promote this stuff. Uh, that guy is independently and enormously wealthy, so most people don't know that. Now, Berenson is a completely and totally different uh, animal to me because I don't know if you've ever read any of his previous work, but he wrote a pretty good book about the the disastrous or the uh, the bad side effects of, 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 of the CBC, the cannabis industry. And, and I thought, you know, they, they invited him to speak. Anyone that invites you to speak at Hillsdale, I've never been invited. I should have been. I hope I will be. I don't know if you've ever been invited. You get invited to speak at Hillsdale. That's, you know, that's pretty good. Um, and Berenson was invited to speak at Hillsdale, and he gave a talk about the about the cannabis stuff so um I don't think it, I, I never considered that 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 Berenson was was totally off of his uh, of his rocker so but I'm surprised that he rejected your offer of the data yeah well I, I can't say what his motivations are right? okay yeah fair enough fair enough fair enough all right let's move on now you had a piece last year and I read this uh, BKB sent it to me, and I looked at it for like a day, and I went, "Bill, what am I looking at? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand this." And I'm talking about exercising the attempt at cybernetic modeling. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with this, um, Matthew will do his best, and he's a genius. But this is almost visual. You almost, uh, well, you made it visual. You, you, to, in order to grasp what we're talking about, Maggie's going to have to pop this into the chat room for you to see it, or you're going to have to go to Rounding the Earth newsletter. So there you go to roundingtheearth.substack.com, you'll find it. it. It's the pinned post. So if you click on the image at the top of the page, it will lead you to the actual image. And my first question is, is that thing supposed to be animated? Am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be able to kind of three D space move around in that? No, I don't have enough time to learn how to make um, animated oh. graphics for this. Okay, um, but this is the result. You know, uh, after after I realized that I was being psyoped on the military health data, 
uh, I went back to the drawing board and I said, what is really going on in the world? And and I'll say this, I was never a person, I, I was always a person who was skeptical of the official explanations on 9-11. Okay. Right. I always knew that there were things that were going on that were wrong, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an intense person, right? If I'm, um, you know, if I'm building an education company, I'm in it 80 hours a week, right? So, uh, you know, I, I, I never really went down conspiracy theory rabbit holes very far. Um, but but there are a lot of things that I never trusted, right? Um, I, I know the news is full of you know BS all the time, right? Um, it, 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 along the way, I you know I thought, okay, there, there there's this uh, new world order discussion happening. So I looked up the history of it, right? I, and I went through you know religions uh, that were involved or, or pseudo religions. You know, I, I think of uh, the Theosophical Society. Oh yes, as pseudo as a pseudo religion. Uh, I, I believe that it was created by um, you know. It's sort of a combination of, of intelligence agencies, um, maybe the East India companies or the power that was there with, you know, the, the banking center of London, uh, the city of London and, uh, you know, Freemasonry groups, which is really kind of like adult Boy Scouts. Right. You know, people say Freemasons all the time. And, and you know, I'm sure there are plenty of, you know, people on all sorts of spectrums of good and bad who have, who have been Freemasons. And, and you know, but it, it, it is some sort of network, though. Right. And you, you see it first in uh, in Pakistan. I believe it was probably seated there in this um, little sect that popped up called Babism and its leader was uh, executed, or at least the story goes. Uh, but then you really see, you know, Alice Bailey pushing the New World Order. And she was uh, one of the leaders of the Theosophical Society right around 100 years ago. So, you know, that gets pushed into the League of Nations and then into the United Nations. And it's been you know part of the codification of the United Nations. And it's weird to realize that, to think about that. But, you know, I did um, several thousand pages of reading on it last year. Once I I got interested and I just started mapping things out, right? And, and eventually I, I get on cybernetics, which, you know, I, I'd always had a basic sense of what cybernetics was, but I always thought of it as like, this is how you architect a company, okay. right? That, that and, and that's the way I think maybe as a, I, I'm a systems guy, you know, some math, economics, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. That was the way I thought of cybernetics. But then I, you know, once I'm I'm thinking about it, putting it together, I'm I'm reading through the history of things like MK Ultra, and and I'm you know looking at this committee that, you know, this this unofficial MK Ultra committee that Alan Dulles put together. And who are the people on this committee? They were Aldous Huxley, Gregory Bateson, his wife Margaret Mead, and Jean Piaget, right? And like three of these four people were cyberneticists or at least cybernetics thinkers. At least two of them were at the Macy conference on cybernetics uh, in the early 20th century. And these are the people who, you know, they, you, you know, downstream from them, you have all these uh, psychedelics experiments at, at Harvard, all these connections to the Esalen Institute, which is really kind of the Pacific Coast American version of Tavistock. And Tavistock was was where you had, um, you know, British intelligence psychiatrists from the German schools, um, uh, you know, and, and, and all of that that wealth influence that I was talking about earlier, getting together, creating like an industry of mind control. And, you know, interestingly, you know, you, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about at some point Taylor Swift. I even have a connection there, which is, you know, it was a little bit mind blowing to see it. It's part of the reason why I was like, OK, I'll talk about it. You know, I was up all night. I just spent the last 12 hours 
researching that. Okay. Well, thank you. Now, now just pause really quickly with Matthew Crawford here of Rounding the Earth Newsletter. Can you explain to our audience, give us, a, give us the non-scientific 30-second explanation. When you say cybernetics, what should our audience think? Cybernetics. Um, think a, a system. You know, think of, of seeing an entire company as a clock, clockwork. If you've ever seen like one of those big machines in a mall, yes. um, that it that just it goes round and round with the balls going through loops and things like that. You know, kind of like a, a perpetual Rube Goldberg machine. Um, you know, but it, you know, companies, right? They have cash flows going in different directions, getting resources, you know, going in and out. You, you put together a machine like a clockwork. Well, what if you tried to put together the globe like it was one machine corporate industry? That's what the new world order is about, right? That's what the cyberneticists were thinking back in the early 20th century. The ones who were working with intelligence agencies and you know Tavistock and and Esalen and, and all these programs. And, you know, then, then they go, you know, they go deep levels and start studying, you know, can we make humans more clockwork? What happens when we give these people drugs and these people this drug? And, and you know, can we create agents to do our bidding for us? And it gets really horrifying at times, right? And have they created agents to do their bidding for us, for them? Oh, uh, I have little doubt about that. I mean, that, you know, I think that, well, I... I, I don't want to uh, make too many statements. You know, I, I, I try to hesitate when I don't know something, right? Um, I don't think that they ever succeeded in creating like a Manchurian candidate. But then again, right, there's this psychiatrist named Jolly West who threads through a lot of these programs. He was, you know, he's in the Manson story running the Haight-Ashbury Clinic. He's at both Kennedy assassinations, right? He, he was the psychiatrist who interviewed Sirhan Sirhan. He was the psychiatrist who interviewed Jack Ruby. He was also at the remote viewing program, <clears throat> which by the way, I grew up in the remote viewing program and that's really a front for trauma-based mind control. It really had nothing to, you know, you know the, the, the psychic stuff is just, it's, it's total nonsense. You know, I, I witnessed, you know, um, results being faked and, and things like that. Uh, it, but it was, um, you know, it, it was, it, it was probably a lot of things, but uh, Jolly West was part of that program, as was Sidney Gottlieb, who was the LSD drug master in a lot of the MK Ultra programs. So, you know, it, wow. uh, where was I going with that? Um, <laughs> well, let me let, let me let me help you out here because I I, I want to direct something uh, people's way. You say in the in the text part of the script here. You say that, and this is in bold, and so far I've barely found a piece of machinery or a side, either side, of an, of an issue without Rockefeller money behind it. Now, there are, some people may know about this, some people may not. They may think uh, it's Alex Jones, gay frog stuff or whatever. Uh, but if you look into any of what you have been talking about, Matthew, and we're with Matthew Crawford of Rounding the Earth newsletter. Find him on Substack. Roundingtheearth.substack.com. If you do any, if you, you kind of dive into this thing, you'll find the Rockefeller money. You'll also find in the 2010 Rockefeller Foundation report, amazingly, you'll find that they gave three scenarios under which their foundation could see this new world order actually uh, having some uh, global effect. They gave three. One was a natural disaster, one was a war. And one was a pandemic. 
<laughs> he's smiling. So you know that, uh, the, that the Rockefeller Foundation has been at this forever. And any research into this, you're going to find Rockefeller money. You know, most people have probably forgotten that there was a Rockefeller that was a bullet away from being president of the United States. True story. Um, so the fact that the Rockefellers are involved in this, you know, you do. My friend David Wimhoff wrote a book about the CIA and John um, John Courtney Murray and the MK Ultra Project and all the stuff that they did. It's a, it's 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 to me. The story that is beneath the story is the story. Because the events that happen above the timeline don't happen if the foundation doesn't cause. It's like St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the five proofs of God is motion, right? The motion comes from what these, nut, what these lunatics these, have done. And that, believe it or not, trickles up or, or maybe trickles down. But it has the effect that it affects what you do. It also affects what a lot of people, uh, other people know what they think. So Rockefeller, and as you look at these connections, does Taylor Swift have a Rockefeller connection? I don't know. I didn't find one. Um, but I will say this, like I ignored Taylor Swift pretty much until the last 48 hours. Until I, I said it. dodged that pop culture bullet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it, it, it's a weird brag, but I'll take it, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I, I did not find Rockefeller money behind Taylor Swift. But, I mean, wow, she has some connections, right? Um, you know, you see who's pushed her over the years, right? This is, this is how, like, it, there's a question like, okay, is Taylor uh, Swift a psyop? Okay, well, who has promoted her over the years? You know that there's a Harvard class that teaches Taylor Swift? I did know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Let let me uh, look around my graph here. Um, Oh, uh, this was funny. Uh, An article from The Times, which is, you know, a paper of record, right, that uh, refers to Taylor Swift as the Bob Dylan of our age. No. <laughs> I mean, like, what what a promotion. And, and, and that one's a real interesting one, right? Because Bob Dylan's in the thick of all of those. Um, and, and he may he may have even been part of one of those MKUltra experiments, which, uh, which sorry, I lost my train of thought talking about that. But, um, you know, a lot of those 60s, uh, you know, icons have been traced back to you know, uh, the Laurel Canyon people in particular, right? And there's there's like a dozen of them, but, um, you know, lots of them have been traced back to the CIA in various ways. And, but even a lot of them like criticize the CIA, but it's it's more like an operation because it's like, hey, get in a trance, look, shiny object. Look, shiny object, look. Taylor Swift. <laughs> if you wanted to construct the shiny object that could steer elections, right? There was a Newsweek uh, survey. I don't know if you saw this one that showed like 22% of Biden vote potential Biden voters or probable Biden voters and 18% of uh, probable Trump voters said that uh, who Taylor Swift endorsed might affect their decision. Mm-hmm. And, and that's mind blowing, right? Well, you know, look at what they did. They made her 2023, you know, time uh, uh, person of the Times Magazine's person of the year, right? Um, she gets promotions, uh, you know, surrounding the United Nations. You, know, you go back to 2015 and, you know, you've got Samantha Powers, you know, obviously a very busy person, an yes. important person because she was the, you know, the UN ambassador for the United States. Right. Um, and she, and I'm going to read this quote because it just, it made my jaw drop. 
just because you're U.S. ambassador to the United Nations doesn't mean you don't have time to appreciate the genius of pop music like Shake It Off. In fact, you probably have to listen to Shake It Off 20 times more than the average person, given the stress level of your job. It's no wonder, then, that Samantha Power is such a Taylor Swift fan. Cosmopolitan.com spoke to the ambassador at the Time 100 Gala about being honored at the event, her love for T-Swift, and the movie she and her husband, Cass Sunstein, both geek out over. And now... Um, you know, you're looking for Rockefeller connections, but Cass, Sun Cass Sunstein is a nudge unit connection, right? He's uh, 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 Thaler's co-author in the book Nudge, which, you know, those guys got sucked up into the British intelligence created nudge units. And those were deployed specifically for pandemic psychological operations. So, you know, and then like there's a United Nations of Taylor Swift. Oh, Lord. Right. And the Virginia model UN uh, has her on their website. Right. Uh, like there's all kinds of just like weird, crazy political promotions going all throughout her career. And, and then when you look at her political stances, if you if you made a list on all these topics and you said and, and I'm not saying that I disagree with every one of them or I might have like sort of half agreements with some of them. Right. Like, OK, but in my in a different way than I think you're proposing it. Right. right. But if you made a list of what you think all the the, the uh, new world order proposals would be, you know, um, climate change, pro-Israel, pro-choice, feminist which there's so many fragmented definitions on. It doesn't even really have much of a, a, a meaning at this point, but sexual harassment, LGBT rights, Equality Act, gun control, and NAACP, uh, Black Lives Matter, right? And that last one in particular just sort of like stood out as it wasn't just a civil rights thing. It was one that had, you know, PSYOP aspects to it, right? And you had to willfully ignore those PSYOP aspects not to notice, and so, you know, like she, she's right there with what you would call a new world order agenda. Um, and, and, you know, you go back to 2016 and she's making like sexy pose pictures, you know, at, at a voter's entrance where she's, you know, the woman at the end of the line with only men ahead of her. But it's like a go vote, you know, type of thing. Like the, the, she's clearly been trained as a, you know, you're going to sway people person. You know, and that's my opinion, you know, but it, it, it just screams. It screams once you start looking into her story. And given that we know that there's this history of intelligence agencies, especially British intelligence and American te intelligence, creating these Popeye icon, you know, figures, um, you know, I, I think I think we can safely assume, right? I, I'd put it in the 99% type category that she is some sort of a, a psyop. And she has worked with, um, you know, some of these global i can't remember the one right now but somebody pointed out a video to me one of it, it was a video from uh i don't know so, i don't know if it was wef or somewhere but it was like specifically somebody's like psychological operations committee where they talked about having worked with her in the past okay so so one of the things then we can uh, with matthew crawford now at the rounding of the earth newsletter one of the things that we can that we can uh, that we can draw from uh, from our uh, brief conversation with you and just from reading what you uh, some of what you have written and some of what we're talking about today um uh, is when someone says uh, you're not one of those that believes in like the psyops and stuff you don't, you don't sit around like yeah yeah you're thinking psyops Right, you're, you're you're not you're not thinking that uh, fake the moon landing and you know all the urban legends. Psyop is a simple thing. 
it, it, it probably has its roots. I know you could tell me. It probably has its roots. You know, any decent army in the history of Earth always had one component that would give it the advantage over another. And that doesn't necessarily mean brute strength or just sheer numbers. And that's what, you know, George Washington would have called the ability to, to reconnoiter, reconnaissance. You don't have good intelligence, you're going to get your ass kicked in a battle. Uh, even if you do have good intelligence. Well, you know, the art of warfare, uh, read a little Zheng Zhu, is in kind of leading your enemy to think things that aren't true, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, illusions have always been part of the game. You know, and, and you, you use the tools that you have. If you have longbows, you run away, you run away, you turn it in court, and you slaughter the enemy. There you go. Right? Um, so, you know, the, the, the idea that the art of illusion would be involved in politics, you know, politics is really is really just it's it's warfare, right? It's warfare by other means. Uh, it's, it's settling conflicts of interest and in trying to control the sway of the world. So, you know, the idea that, that psychological operations wouldn't be involved is really just kind of insane, right? Like when you stop to think about it, you, you know that it's true, right? Yeah, and you could start with, you know, do you think people would run commercials? Do you think people would advertise themselves if they're running for office? Well, of course, you just take it one step further. Okay, you know, uh, you watched Mad Men. You know how the games elevate. Uh, you know, have, have you know, uh, surely you've read about, oh, gosh, uh, who is the the propagandist? Um Henry Luce? No, no, no. Uh, 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 the one who did. Um, oh shoot! This is like pre World <laughs> War II. Henry Ber no Bernays, Edward Bernays. Oh Bernays, Bernays, yes, 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 yes. Oh yes. And, and then there was there was uh, his rival, um, and, and Bernays worked for the Rockefellers, right? That's really how he got promoted in the world. Um, but then uh, uh, I think his name's like Edward Lee, something Lee. Um, but you know, these guys invented the the PR industry, right? And and it goes deeper and deeper. And then you've got you know modern stuff you've got monsanto hiring blackwater to infiltrate um protest groups right that happened in 2010 right that's public knowledge so you know like to to deny the idea that we we would be in a sort of in a world filled with psychological operations uh is, is just kind of nonsense you you see a tv you know what's going on so then uh, people would then ask the question, okay, well, what are we to do? <laughs> We're just being duped and psyoped uh, all over the world, it seems, uh, and they don't necessarily have your best interest at heart. Now, it is possible that there's a cross-section of what they're doing that will cross something that interests you, right, and could benefit you, but it's not intended to benefit you. It's intended to benefit them, and uh, I think that that is the nefarious uh, uh, underbelly uh, to all this, is, is is that these these things are for the benefit of the people that are perpetrating them, and not and not for the benefit of the hoi polloi or the governed masses, which is what raises many people. They they go, well, wait a minute, that's not fair. Well, of course, it's not fair. But then again, to the victor go the spoils, and it just seems to me that they just keep winning. Yeah, if you're part of that elite billionaires group, uh, it would if, if you want to just continue to accrue wealth and power, it behooves you to play this, you know, Hegelian dialectic game where sometimes you're with the right, sometimes you're with the left, but you have them constantly rocking back and forth. And usually whoever you're with is going to win that battle, right? But you can switch back and forth wherever it is you need it. You might even have amongst a group of people in such a network, some of those who step forward to play the role 
of the conservative, play the role of the liberal, play the role of the alt-right, play the role of the radical left, whenever it is that role is called for. And I think that that's, you know, I, I think it's un when you start reading, right? And that's what people need to do is you, you must be a reader. You must consume information quickly enough that you can explore history and put the patterns together, right? If you just watch what they give you on TV, you, you know nothing, you know less than nothing. You're going backward, right? Um, you think you know something and that's actually what's dangerous. So, you know, you've got to go back in history and see it and start to put together, you know, the webs of relationships. It's part of the reason I started keeping these visual graphs, right? Because this conversation is, it is too complex to just have. It's too complex to think through without, um, you know, putting together all of the observations of history and seeing who all those relationships are. And when we're done, I'll send you my Taylor Swift graph. Okay. okay. Well, we only have, we've got about five minutes left. We're going to have to wrap up. But I have a curveball uh, question for you, but it's actually in your graph. So it's not really a curveball. So let me walk you through this. All right. The year is 2011. I am in my eighth year at the Sirius XM uh, radio complex, industrial complex. I'm now doing the morning drive show. I'm the number one listened to host on uh, that channel. And uh, they actually are letting me uh, uh, nominate who I think when I take some time off, but who should fill in for me. That ends in the spring of 2011, and they start telling me, no, we got this guy from Breitbart. His name's Steve Bannon. We want Bannon to fill in. And I'm like, he's a neocon. I don't like Bannon. I don't want Bannon filling in for me. And I was like, well, he does the weekends with the Breitbart weekend. He'll do a fine job, blah, blah, blah. So Bannon starts filling in for me. Now, ultimately, when my contract comes up for renewal in uh, November of 2015, um, SiriusXM informs me that they're not going to renew it. So guess who was waiting in the wings for Mikey? That's right. Steve Bannon was waiting right there. Now, these idiots at SiriusXM could not possibly have known what the what what his game was. Uh, but, but I ultimately would know. He offered to work for free, or like a Steve Jobs deal for a dollar. Took the gig. But what was he really trying to do? He needed a national platform to get the attention of Donald John Trump. And he used the Mike Churchill. I built that effing audience up after 13 years. It was my audience. I built it from nothing. We started with 3,000 subscribers in 2002. I built that audience. Bannon stole it from me. And Sirius gave it to him. And he used it to get Trump's attention. He had Trump on almost every other day on the Sirius XM Patriot channel. Ultimately, he leaves Sirius XM high and dry and leaves to go work for Trump. Well, I see a blip on your graph here with Steve Bannon. So I want you to tell me, <laughs> Steve Bannon on the good side of Rockefeller Rothschild or the bad side? Uh, <clears throat> I have over 100 graphs, and I have him in a bunch of them. So, um, But uh, I, I'm not sure which graph you saw, but he here's one of the more interesting things I discovered about Steve Bannon is between Jeffrey Epstein's two arrests, Bannon was hanging out with him a lot between 2009 and 2019. And the story that's given that, that you know, when people, you know, most people seem to dodge it, right? I don't even see Whitney Webb talking about it, but um, 
people say, oh, it was part of like helping rehabilitate Epstein's image. So I was like, wait, but who is Bannon? What's going on? So I started to, to read up on him. Uh, I, I knew Breitbart, right? And I had heard Goldman Sachs, but uh, I heard Seinfeld, but I kept going back. Oh, 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 he, he was reporting to the Secretary of the Navy at the Pentagon, right? So I feel certain. I feel certain that he's naval intelligence, right? Naval intelligence is a way more powerful proportion of the intelligence agencies than most people realize. People remember, you know, whatever movie they've seen and they go, you know, the CIA, the NSA, no, no, um, you're, you're not getting the story if you're watching movies. Uh, you know, naval intelligence is who built the internet, right? That's Douglas Engelbart at SRI. Um, you know, naval intelligence uh, is, well, you know what? It, one of the two founders of, or, you know, two most commonly cited founders of the Theosophical Society, Colonel Henry Alcott, uh, was pulled into uh, naval intelligence. Naval intelligence, L, L. Ron Hubbard was naval intelligence. And I think naval intelligence runs literally created cults. I think the uh, Theosophical Society was that. I think it was probably a joint project between uh, uh, US and Britain. Uh, then you've got uh, Fallen Gong. Which, which looks like Scientology templated with with Taoism added on top, right? And it, it popped up right after Tiananmen Square. Uh, and and interestingly, you know, where did Steve Bannon go once he left Breitbart? As he went over to the Epoch Times, which was built by Falun Gong. This is incredible. Okay, one thing that I uh, okay, naval intelligence also was sending communique. We now have them. They have been they're public record now to Roscoe White. Roscoe White is very possibly one of the men that assassinated President Kennedy. And depending on whose story you believe, but Roscoe White was getting his orders from, he went to work for the DPD because the Naval Intelligence sent him a cable, it exists, extant, I've read it, telling him to go take a photographer's job. The guy wasn't even a photographer. Take a photographer's job at the Dallas uh, at the Dallas Police Department or uh, at the Dallas Morning News. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up, Matthew. This <laughs> this story must continue though. We must <laughs> we must agree to uh, let, let's let's say, say once a month we'll make it the Matthew Crawford hour because that, I don't think I've scratched the surface here. Yeah, I don't think any of us have, right? Um, <laughs> and and I'll, I'll just go ahead and add my opinion. I think that um, Bannon either was making sure things were all right in the Epstein network or taking control of it. Wow. Those are, those are my two strongest hypotheses. Um, and, and, and then uh, Epstein's network is all over the pandemic. All over the pandemic. Absolutely incredible. Read this guy, Matthew Crawford, rounding the rounding the earth newsletter.com, rounding the earth dot substack dot com. And um, dude, what a fascinating I'm looking at the clock. What a fascinating 46 minutes. I can't wait to listen back to it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on. You'll come back. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Matthew Crawford, everybody. Matthew, thank you. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Take care. All right. You too.